The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to uh, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. My name is Matt Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com. Tonight we'll be answering your questions live here on Twitter, uh, but normally you can call our show at 716-508-0405 and leave a voicemail there any time of day. You can leave us a text message using the same phone number. You can obviously uh, tweet us, usually at our normal Twitter tag, which is at rumblingsq&a with the word and spelled out in the middle. <clears throat> you can email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can uh, send us uh, Facebook messages or Instagram messages. There's a lot of ways to get in touch with the show, including the comments section over at buffalorumblings.com, where I leave um, show notes every Tuesday when our podcast posts. And one of the things I've been doing over the summer is doing live shows on all of our social media channels. We did Instagram, uh, Facebook, and now Twitter to try and you know get a couple other folks uh, interested in our podcast network, uh, specifically in Buffalo Rumblings Q and A, um, just to you know kind of see where you guys are at, what what kind of uh, questions you have um, heading into the season. So uh, fire away uh, comments in the comment section uh, here on Twitter, so you can ask your questions live. I still have to figure this out a little bit. I haven't seen. I haven't worked with the Twitter Live yet. I've done the Facebook Live and Instagram Lives, but I haven't done the Twitter Live yet. So I see we've got a whole bunch of folks in our um, in our live feed right here, uh, and we're recording this to release tomorrow on our podcast network. But uh, if you do have questions over on Twitter, uh, make sure you uh, just type those in live over there. I did solicit a few questions earlier on over at Rumblings Q&A. And so I'm going to start there. Uh, again, feel free to leave your questions here on Twitter live as we go through this. Dude of Awesome sent us a bunch of questions, which is awesome because he's the Dude of Awesome. Uh, but I wanted to uh, highlight the first one he actually asked. Is Gilliam a serious threat to DeMarco? Uh, thinking he's a matchup nightmare with him being a receiving fullback, uh, power run to finesse in a single snap, just like the Patriots used to do. Um, I do think that Reggie Gilliam is a legitimate contender for Patrick DeMarco. And I don't think it has a lot to do with um, salary cap. Some folks have been talking about the salary cap savings. Patrick DeMarco doesn't make a whole lot much 
a, a whole lot of money this year. And so let me look up on uh, SpotTrack the actual number for Patrick DeMarco. Because the Bills, like I said, it doesn't. They do need the money, just like every other team going into 2021 with a lowered salary cap. But they don't need that out of him. I'll, I'll let the money load here for a second. But Gilliam does bring an added receiving threat to the Bills out of the backfield. He's very talented in that regard. In fact, he had a really nice catch earlier in training camp this week. Pair that with the fact that Patrick DeMarco hasn't practiced in over a week now. And I, I think you can understand why Gilliam is such a legitimate contender for uh, DeMarco's spot. Um, DeMarco's been out with, I think, neck soreness for the entire last week of training camp. So, I mean, it really puts him behind the eight ball of making this roster. Even though they know what he brings to the table, it's still going to be hard for Patrick DeMarco to make this team if he doesn't practice for you know, another week here and, and goes two whole weeks without practicing in an already shortened training camp. So let's look at um, Patrick DeMarco. His base salary is only $1.1 million in 2020. His salary cap hit is $1.9 million. So, I mean, they might save a million dollars in cash. Uh, they probably wouldn't save that much in uh, salary cap space just because of how the 53 or the 48 um, top 48, well, it'll eventually be 53 uh, salaries uh, are the only ones that are counted. So, um, you know, if they replace Gilliam or if they replace DeMarco with Gilliam, they'll save maybe a million dollars on the salary cap. It's not really enough to justify cutting Patrick DeMarco if that's the way they want to go. If they like Gilliam better, they should get rid of him or get rid of DeMarco and and go with Gilliam. Uh, and I think there there is a legitimate chance that that happens in 2020 right now. Uh, he's he's been one of my sleeper candidates to make the roster. Uh, for a while now. All right, back to if you're following live on Twitter, I don't see any questions here in the chat right now. If I'm messing this up, I apologize. I don't really know how this works, but uh, I don't see any questions in the chat on Twitter live right now. So we're going to go back to uh, Rumlix Q and a Twitter feed. How does the linebacker group look? It seems to me to be one of the more worrying depth areas. I definitely agree with the depth area. They have a lot of unproven guys past the top three uh, linebackers. Uh, let's go through that position group just for a second and spend some time there. Because, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are both, are both household names by this point uh, for the Bills, but they go out and they sign A.J. Klein to kind of step in for the starters roles that Lorenzo Alexander played last year. And then they have um, Terrell Dodson, Voshan Joseph, uh, Tyler Medikevich, uh, Delshawn Phillips, and Corey Thompson. Now, Thompson played a ton of special teams snaps last year. He's a guy that you would look to, you know, think would make the roster just based on special teams alone. Uh, Voshan Joseph uh, and Terrell Dotson both uh, have kind of been in the background. Uh, I always get the two conflated a little bit. Uh, but Dotson uh, was on the team last year, uh, released um, after he served his suspension and came back. I'm not 100% sure how high they are on him. Uh, jo Joseph is another guy that I think could make an impact, but they're both just so unproven. Um, let me pull up Joseph here for a second. I want to make sure I'm talking about him the right way. Yeah, he had surgery last uh, September as well. 
um, after being drafted uh, in the fifth round of the 2019 NFL draft. So he's been out since, you know, they, he missed the entire regular season last year. So we really don't know what they think of those two guys, um, in, at least in the long term, what they think of those two guys. So, and then Tyler Matikiewicz is another guy that's going to come in and be a mostly special teams guy as well. So they really do have a lot of unproven talent behind those top three guys. And if one of those guys goes down, they're going to be in for a world of hurt. So I, I would agree with you that they don't have super solid depth there. Um, I don't really want Tyler Matikiewicz playing any meaningful linebacker snaps, and he would likely be the first guy up. Uh, and then, you know, Dodson and Joseph could prove something, but they haven't to this point. And to your point, like how the linebackers look, I don't, I don't have any clue because they haven't even done like a live scrimmage yet. And so seeing how they're, you know, shedding blocks and making a tackle on a running back is super important. Um, you know, you can only see so much from how they cover in pass coverage or how they, you know, attack um, a ball carrier in one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -two drills. So there's not a lot I'm taking from preseason, uh, well, whatever this preseason is, the training camp that we're seeing uh, the Buffalo Bills going through right now. Um, and just that's why we haven't heard a lot about the linebackers so far in training camp. That question came in from uh, Dave Thorpe over on Twitter at Rumlings Q&A, which is where you can find us. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any questions coming in on Twitter. I don't see any yet. Okay, I've got more questions over here at Rumlinks Q&A. Um, oh, actually, uh, Trunky8 responded on um, over at Buffalo Rumlinks that Medikevich fills the void left by Lorenzo Alexander on special teams and Kleins fills in um, at the outside linebacker spot. Plus, we've been developing Voshan Joseph, who we drafted last year. The depth is great. I just don't see it happening. Um you know, the Bills went went and looked at uh, two different linebackers today. They had more tryouts today. So, obviously, they're concerned about their linebacker depth as well. Uh, they had uh, Michael uh, Pinckney and Darren Lee in for workouts uh, today, which is Monday, uh, August 24th. Nigel Bradham's on the market for Bills fans who remember him. He was uh, cut by the Saints today or yesterday. I don't remember. So, let's go back to... Uh, the Twitter questions here. Uh, Dude of Awesome, again. If Ford goes to right guard, does Nseki automatically start at right tackle? He's not durable, and they have other options there. As much as I have always said that I want Cody Ford to go to uh, right guard, I don't think the Bills are going to move him there. Uh, Josh Allen alluded to a little bit of mixing on the right side of the offensive line, especially since John Feliciano went down uh, when Allen spoke today. To the media and so i'm not really sure what's going on at right guard or right tackle and the media that are at practice can't talk about it either so that's why we haven't heard a whole lot about it from you know anybody really in any of their podcasts any of their breakdowns um it's one of the new rules with the covid 19 restrictions that uh the nfl media isn't allowed to tell who's going with the first team the second team or, or third team or as they're calling them opportunity groups whatever that means so the um the folks that are playing at right tackle, uh, we don't even know that they're playing at right tackle. The folks that are at right guard, we don't even know that they're at right guard or which group that they're with. So um, it's a little bit up in the air right now. But back to your question. Uh, if Ford goes to right guard, does Inseki automatically start at right tackle? I don't think so. Um, I, they have Daryl Williams, who you know was a 
second team all pro a few years ago at right tackle, I believe. Um, they just they have other options at that right tackle spot. But again, I don't think Ford is going to right guard. Um, they haven't really talked about him that way. Uh, so <laughs> they haven't really talked about him that way. But um, I, I just I think he's going to end up being the starting right tackle, and Inseki's going to get cut in favor of the salary cap that they can get uh, out of that. Uh, Bruce Exclusive asks us a very important question. Where can I get that shirt? Um, it's a good shirt. Uh, I got mine when we started working with uh, Breaking Tea Company over um, at Buffalo Rumblings. There is the Buffalo Rumblings fan shop on Buffalo Rumblings homepage. I think it's like halfway down the page. It's like a big bar that says Buffalo Rumblings fan shop. And last I knew, these uh, cool shirts were in there. Right now, I know you can get uh, Buffalo Rumblings face coverings, uh, both the New Era ones and the FOCO ones. Uh, the, so the New Era ones are the sideline face coverings, um, and they have uh, the Bills logo on the side. It's the same coverings that they're going to be wearing on the sideline uh, during games this season in the NFL. The FOCO ones... Uh, the FOCO ones are um, a pack of three, uh, and they're available uh, through the fan shop over, like I said, at buffalorumblings.com. I did order that three-pack. Uh, it has got me through the summer. Um, I, I like them because they fit tight to my face, um, but they still allow me to breathe. I haven't got the New Era one. Oh, I just bumped the camera. Sorry. Uh, I just got the New Era. I haven't got the New Era ones yet, uh, but I'm hoping uh, to get one of those uh, relatively soon uh, as my school year kicks off and uh, we go back to to learning here in western new york so there you go bruce you can go on there uh you can find the bruce exclusive every week at buffalo rumblings podcast network on thursdays and fridays dude Austin left me a bunch of questions and now he's dropping into the comments here is brian the buffalo there I don't think we have a Brian the Buffalo shirt. Brian the Buffalo is the former mascot at buffalorumblings.com, named after our founder, uh, Brian Galliford. It's the big block um, square uh, logo that we had at the beginning. It's a cartoonish red buffalo uh, breaking through something. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, we love Brian the Buffalo um, as the initial mascot at Buffalo Rumblings. We also love our cool little circle logo here, uh, the reimagined Buffalo Rumblings logo. So thank you for that question, Bruce, and, uh, and dude of awesome. Any different thoughts on the kicker bat battle after Stephen Hauschka on Monday? On Monday, Stephen Hauschka had a great day kicking. Uh, I think he was six for six, or, you know, he made all of his kicks, including ones over 50 yards. Um, Tyler Bass was very good on Sunday and has been very good in camp. I still think the tie goes to uh, Tyler Bass, but Hauschka, if he keeps making all his kicks like he did today, it's going to be really hard for them to let go of him in a year where they think that they can um, contest for, you know, the AFC championship or, you know, a playoff win or however you want to describe it. Um, last year, they did not trust Steven Hauschka over 50 yards. And it's just such a telling statement that A, they didn't trust him over 50 yards last year and B, they went out and actually drafted a kicker saying this this guy had a path to the roster um, in April. So I, I think that Bass is going to get the tie. But um, we've seen the Bills draft kickers over the last few years that didn't necessarily get it in their first preseason, but have worked their ways onto rosters like a Dustin Hopkins, uh, who you know didn't necessarily beat out. Um, the, oh, well, I mean, he was on the roster, I think, for a little bit. Um, 
with, uh, oh, who was, what was Jesus Kicker's name? Dan Carpenter. Uh, and uh, so they were on the roster fighting at the same time. And then they eventually released him. He went on to uh, a pretty nice career with the Saints and the Washington football team. Uh, there's Chase McLaughlin just last year, who I thought had a really good chance to make the roster last year. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent. They obviously didn't draft him. Uh, but they... Uh, had him in camp. He did a really nice job. They cut him at the end of camp, uh, and he goes, I think he was on the Chargers. I know he la eventually landed with the Colts because the Bills tried to claim him on waivers, and um, that was like a shot across the bow at Stephen Hauschka as well. And who knows if they would have released Hauschka had they been able to claim Chase McLaughlin last year. So you never know how that stuff's going to work out, but they had him in camp and then tried to claim him again later in the season. So I think a tie goes to Bass because they don't trust Hauschka over 50 yards, even though for a long time he was one of the most accurate kickers in the league over 50 yards. He just doesn't have it uh, since his back injury uh, by Henry Anderson of the New York Jets uh, a few years ago. So I, obviously that's it's hard to recreate the pressure situations in a training camp setting. It's not even a preseason game uh, setting, but you know the Bills are putting you know 80 guys' eyes on one guy on the foot of one guy while he kicks. And, of course, the media and everybody knows that it's a competition between those two guys. So it's still a high-pressure situation, even if it's not on TV or under the lights. Uh, it's still a high-pressure situation, and the Bills have talked about that really all offseason. So um, d does my opinion change after Hauschka today? No. If they don't trust him over 50, you know he's going to have to make a heck of a lot more kicks over 50 yards for them to, to trust him. And he's missed – I mean, what, today's Monday – so it was, what, Saturday that he missed a couple kicks over 50 yards as well. So, I mean, if they don't trust him there, it's just going to be difficult for them to to go. It's going to be difficult for them to go on, uh, on with Hauschka. What type of role do you expect Tyler Croft to have this year? I think they're going to play. Um, I, I think they're going to typically go with an 11 personnel which is one tight end on the field, which means Dawson Knox is probably going to get the lion's share of, of tight end stuff. But if he continues to suffer from his drop issues, if he has um, you know, mental lapses, I don't expect that from Dawson Knox, but I do think that, you know, he's just going to, that Tyler Croft is just going to be like their main backup plan at tight end. Um, uh, they're not going to cut him. He's going to be on the roster, but I do think it spells bad news for Tommy Sweeney uh, and Jason Karoom and the rest of the folks that are there. So uh, my, what role do I expect for Tyler Croft? I expect him to be the top backup tight end uh, to Dawson Knox and to really be a veteran voice in that room, especially if they release Lee Smith, that, and they won't have that veteran presence in the locker room anymore. Um, Croft is locked in but based on his contract restructure. Uh, Lee Smith is not. Um, I still think they keep Lee Smith on the roster because they like the versatility he adds as that sixth offensive lineman. But that is certainly not a lock, and uh, Croft will be able to help with that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
Do you expect Daryl Johnson to make the team? Um, I hear he's been playing really well in training camp. He's going to be a guy that's going to be difficult to release, but I don't think he put a ton of stuff on tape last year that's going to make him so that they can't add him back to the practice squad. Um, he does do a lot on special teams, and they do want to keep him on the roster. So maybe he makes it just based on his special teams ability and the ability to contribute at defensive end. But um, especially if they decide that they want to keep um, Trent Murphy, they're not, I just don't see a way for them to keep Daryl Johnson. Now, if they move on from Trent Murphy, which which I expect that they're going to based on his salary cap number, kind of like Ty and Secchi, um, there's definitely a way where Daryl Johnson makes it onto the roster, not just the 53-man roster, but the 46-man game day roster so that he can play uh, special teams. So that thanks for that question as well. Are the Bills going uh, pretty much going to be three wide the majority of the time? Uh, I alluded to that with the 11 personnel. That means one running back and one tight end. Um, so you go five on offensive linemen, a quarterback, a running back and a tight end that leaves you with three more guys which is three wide receivers that you can uh, put on the field usually um and so um yeah I, I mean that's what the bills were trending towards at the end of the 2019 season i think it's going to be very hard to keep that trio of stefan diggs john brown and cole beasley off the field um, and they're going to be a dangerous trio so do I think that they're going to be three wide the majority of the time? I don't know if I'd say majority of the time, but it's probably going to be their most popular position group. So, I mean, a majority of the time would be 50% of the snaps. I don't know if they're going to be in three wide 50% of the time in that 11 personnel. But um, I do think that it's going to be the, the position grouping they're in the most. Um, whether that makes it 50% of the snaps or not is a different question. Uh, we had a live question come in from, let's see here. Why can't I get to it? There it is. Uh, from Mark, ah, Mark Hamsick. Do you think the hype about Gabriel Davis is real or too good to be true? Or is it too early to tell? I love it. We're actually writing an article um, about Gabe Davis uh, right now. Uh, that's my next project. And then, oh, so that's from Mark Hamsick 94 I think I said that already. Uh, but we're writing an article right now about Gabe Davis that's going to come out tomorrow morning. Uh, so make sure you read that uh, on Tuesday over at Buffalo Rumblings. And then um, Anthony Marino is going to have um, some perspective from the University of Central Florida uh, on his Breaking Buffalo Rumblings podcast tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, when that drops. So I guess it's not tomorrow night, but it drops you know Wednesday at midnight. Uh, so uh, make sure you listen to Anthony's podcast as well. I think the hype is real when you put the hype in context uh, and I've had conversations with Bruce about this and uh, Dan Lavoie over at buffalorumblings.com if you think Gabe Davis is going to come in and unseat John Brown in 2020 you're wrong and the hype is too much if you think that he's going to come in and be like that fourth wide receiver and you know get 10% of the snaps or, or some somewhere in that neighborhood and then develop into a guy that could potentially take John Brown's job a year from now or in two years when Brown leaves and his contract's up? Absolutely. I think that that is real. I think that's why he was drafted right now. Um, in most seasons, he'd be a third-round pick, maybe even a low second-round pick. But with the wide receiver class we had in 2020, they were able to get him in the fourth round. I think the long-term plan for him is 
you know, to take over that John Brown role when Brown either prices out or ages out. But if he can come in and learn from those veterans, uh, learn from John Brown, learn from Cole Beasley, just learn how to be pros, learn how to run the entire route tree, I think that hype is very, very real. I'm not saying he's going to get there, but he's got the potential to be a very solid player for them in a year or two. Um, you know, you can look down the list of fourth round uh, rookie wide receivers that have contributed. It's not a very long list. So again, it depends on which context you put the word hype in, whether Gabriel Davis is real or too good to be true. I don't think he's going to crack the top three wide receivers in 2020. I don't think that they're going to bench one of those veterans in favor of, of Davis. I mean, as we've never seen him play an actual football game in the NFL, and the Bills aren't going to get that until the regular season starts because we don't have preseason. So he's one of those guys that you would really like to have a handle on with a preseason game or two, and he was one of those guys that we were looking forward to seeing um, under the preseason lights, and we just haven't been able to see. So um, I I think the hype is real if you put it into context a year or two down the road. Thanks for the question here in our live Twitter chat, uh, Mark Hamsick. Bohorquez is winning again, isn't he? I don't think Bohorquez is winning. I mean, he obviously beat out uh, Corey Vedbeck because the Bills released him and signed Laughlin uh, Edwards. Edwards has a really big leg, if I remember correctly. Um, the Bills just signed him. I haven't really looked into our second punter. Hold on a second. Uh, he's got um, really good stats. Um, oh. Hold on. So he, like I said, he has really good stats. He's got um, a good, uh, the ability to kick off. He's got, um, you know, a lot of punts under his belt for the New York Jets over the last four years. Um, you know, his yards per punt is 46. Uh, you know, who knows? Bohorquez has been very inconsistent. So are you hoping he's going to get uh, consistent and, you know, be able to win the job? I think that's, you know, kind of, I don't know, a pipe dream. Uh, but, I mean, Edwards has better career stats than Bohorquez. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that they were bringing in kickers to look at means they aren't super comfortable with Corey Bohorquez, and they definitely weren't comfortable uh, with Corey Vedbeck. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Corey Bohorquez didn't lose this job. Uh, I just don't think he's very good, especially over long periods of time like an entire season. Over, back over to our uh, Twitter questions from before. If you're on our live Twitter chat right now, you can drop your questions right in there and we will answer them live right now here on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Um, do you think uh, the Bills will win a playoff game this year? I hope we get to the playoffs. I'll just throw that in there. Uh, just to cover my bases. I hope the Bills and the rest of the NFL get to the playoffs this year. Um, do I think that uh, the Bills will win a playoff game this year? I think they have the talent to... I think they should have won the playoff game last year. So, 
I mean, obviously they didn't, but, you know, they had Duke Williams drop a pass in the end zone. They had um, Josh Allen rolling around to his right on a QB sweep where I can't remember who it was, but somebody can lay a block on the edge and spring Josh Allen to put them in field goal range uh, to win the game uh, in overtime. They had the Houston Texans player with the illegal forward pass. They just... It was just not great. It was uh, they, they could have won that game. And so I um, I think they could have won that game. So I, 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 I'm not going to go and say I'm predicting say the Bills are going to win a playoff game. But they certainly have the players and the coaches and the opportunity to do just that. Um, if it's a home game, uh, it'll be disappointing if the Bills aren't uh, in the home stadium with fans. But, I mean, I think we'll take it um, anyway. Uh, is Gabriel D- oh, Mark Ham- Hamzik asked a uh, follow-up question uh, for Gabriel Davis. Is um, Gabriel Davis uh, better than Duke Williams correct in saying so for a wide receiver four? Yeah, um, they, they're a little bit different. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is your big body wide receiver that's probably going to directly replace Duke Williams. Uh, but but Gabe, Gabriel Davis is going to be the number four wide receiver on this team probably going into the season unless we're just I mean unless something really kooky happens he's played better than probably anyone and been getting more hype than anyone Uh, Isaiah Hodgins has the body type to immediately replace Duke uh, Williams right now Uh, Davis is replacing more of that Robert Foster type of role Uh, but yeah that's um, exactly what I was saying is that Gabriel Davis is better than Duke Williams is certainly higher than him on the depth chart right now so uh, thanks for that follow-up, Mark. Uh, backup center, Ryan Bates, question mark. Uh, likely uh, with John Feliciano out, uh, that's who it would be right now. We obviously saw Feliciano jump over there last year when Mitch Morris was hurt. Uh, Ryan Bates does have experience snapping the ball um, and playing left tackle, so he would likely be a very um, popular option as long as Deion Dawkins was healthy still. So um, Deion Dawkins, um, his primary backup is probably going to be Ryan Bates as well. Uh, so um, he's just one of those versatile guys that is, is going to be able to step in and snap the ball. I'm sure they're working out other guys uh, at the center position as well, whoever they have at right guard other than uh, Quentin Spain and Brian Winters. Okay. Uh, on Isaiah McKenzie, we all love him, but he's really only got that jet sweep thing going. Yeah. Uh, do you think the final wide receiver is him or Hodgins with Foster and Duke on the outside looking in? I think Isaiah Hodgins has an inside track over uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Hodgins just brings so much more to the table for their long-term vision. Uh, when McKenzie became a free agent this offseason, they didn't even offer him a restricted free agent tender. They signed him at the league minimum for his years of service. So obviously there wasn't a huge market for him either. So. Um, it's really going to come down to a numbers game. It's not going to be a salary game or any of that. Uh, if if they like what McKenzie brings to the table, if they think they're comfortable with him as a punt returner or a kick returner, maybe they keep him um, and cut Andre Roberts. There's no indication of that right now. Um, and obviously they went out and signed Andre Roberts when they had Isaiah McKenzie. So um, I think it's more of a battle between those two for the returner spot than it is for McKenzie and Hodges or McKenzie and Foster or McKenzie and Duke Williams. I think Hodgins is clearly ahead, um, especially the way John Brown was talking and Sean McDermott were talking. And just to hear um, 
some of the media talk about how big and physical Isaiah Hodgins is. They really need that kind of guy on their roster, a guy that could um, be a nice red zone target for Josh Allen. So um, I think Hodgins is in over Isaiah McKenzie right now. Um, they can do some jet sweep motion with Stephon Diggs or John Brown or maybe even Cole Beasley. Uh, they can keep that in their playbook if they really want it. Uh, they don't need him. Uh, what type of leap do we expect uh, from Jones, Klein, Medikevich, and Neil coming in, coming on? I'll, uh, I'll talk about Saran Neal. I don't think that um, people talk about the big nickel more than the Bills are actually focusing on it. Uh, if you go back and look, when Teran Johnson is healthy, he's in the game. When he's not healthy, Saran Neal steps in as your nickel cornerback. Um, we haven't really seen them like bring him in to cover a tight end, at least on a consistent basis before. So I'm not 100% sure that they really love Saran Neal, and I'm not really expecting a ton out of him this season. Um, they have Tremaine Edmonds, they have Matt Milano, who both cover well and cover space well and have those super long arms that they can cover underneath. They've got great safeties that can help over the top. I just, I don't think that I'm expecting a big jump from Neil. Um, I think AJ Klein is a, um, yeah. So at least I think that's what you were asking about. Um, so looking at the other ones, Taiwan Jones, I think is an excellent gunner. He's going to replace Robert Foster in that role on special teams and just be like a better version of Sonoris Perry, who the Bills had last year. Um, AJ Klein is probably a step down from Lorenzo Alexander, maybe not as a pure linebacker, but certainly in the versatility that Lorenzo Alexander was able to bring to the table. And of course, his leadership ability. Uh, Matikiewicz is a strictly special teams guy. Um, I don't know who he's going to be replacing directly unless we see them release uh, Corey Thompson. And then, uh, yeah, so those were your questions. We did have one more question come in live. Again, if you keep popping questions in live, I'll keep answering them. But um, where is it? What are your opinions about some teams having fans and other teams not having fans? Is that fair? Well, I mean, Sean McDermott called it ridiculous today. I tend to agree with that. The Bills, especially, who have a great home field advantage, um, won't be able to have fans, at least according to New York State's Governor Andrew Cuomo. They won't be able to have fans all year. Um, when all of the NFL facilities shut down in March, uh, the NFL, from the very beginning, said, unless all of them can open, none of them can open. And that was to maintain competitive balance throughout the offseason. And they stuck with that until all the NFL facilities could open. But now they're letting this patchwork come in with fan attendance at games, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um, why they wouldn't have continued that all the way through. With that being said, I'm not really worried about whatever it is, 16,000 fans at the stadium in Miami uh, really impacting what the Bills can do on offense or defense or anything like that. So I, I just don't really worry about that I mean, if, if Arrowhead Stadium is going to have 60,000 people in it rocking, then that could be a competitive advantage for the Chiefs over the Bills. But I haven't seen anything along those lines yet. I've seen like 25% capacity or 30% capacity, which is like 16, 18, 20,000 fans. So I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. Um, I do think that the bigger issue is going to be that 
everyone can hear everything that happens on the field. Um, and they're going to need dump buttons for sure to, to stop swearing over the airwaves. But they're also going to, the Bills and every other team are going to have to change up their line calls every week because you'll be able to hear them on the television broadcast. Another question coming in on our live chat here. Are the Bills a top five prepared team with McDermott? I have to imagine he's got it down. They have a lot of continuity between last year and this year. And I have to believe if there's a way for them to be prepared for this season, that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are going to find a way to make that happen. Those guys cross their T's. They dot their I's. Um, I just think that they know the right people to call. And um, Sean McDermott's growth mindset is especially important in this conversation. That dude has come such a nice way, long way since um, he joined the the NFL's head coaching ranks. He never used to go for it on fourth down, didn't understand when to punt, when not to punt. Uh, he didn't understand a lot of those analytics. And what he's done over the last three years is learn those analytics. Uh, we were not very kind to him when he punted in snover time against the Indianapolis Colts. And he has learned from that mistake. He has really like expanded their use of 11 personnel and their use of, you know, kind of a higher flying offense. Uh, I just, I think that his ability to gather information to make better decisions is so, un, uh, it's just such a, a valuable asset during this off season of COVID. So I think they're going to be one of the most prepared teams in the NFL. Is that going to mean that they're one of the top five teams in the NFL? I don't think so, but they're certainly going to be prepared, and I would love just following that guy anywhere because he can be so prepared and learn great and just learn as he goes to be better the next time. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Uh, thanks to everyone that left live comments in our comment section here um, at <clears throat> in our Twitter live chat. Um, thanks to everybody who sent in questions at Rumblings Q&A ahead of time. Uh, please don't hesitate to call and leave questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. Uh, tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. Email is buffalorumblingssbnation.com. You can leave messages at uh, on Facebook or on Instagram or in the comments in the comments section at buffalorumblings.com when the show drops on Tuesday. All of you that listened in tonight got a sneak preview of this week's episode um, while we recorded the audio here today. But again, thanks to all the folks who joined us live in our Twitter chat and uh, go Bills!